0: Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Luke chapter 17, Um, my wife asked me, well, what are you going to talk about? You weren't planning to preach, were you? I said, no, I was not. I said, I think... What I'll do, it, what, the first thought that came to mind was the ten lepers that, went, that were uh, healed by Jesus. And one returned and said, thank you. And she says, oh, my goodness. I'm teaching the kids this morning, and that's what I'm teaching them. Um, so we're going to stick with that this morning. Amen? Luke 17, verse 11. And it came to pass, as he, this is Jesus, as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were all lepers, listen to this, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. We're going to take our text from verse 15 and 16 this morning. And one of them, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, and with a loud voice, he glorified God. And with a loud voice, he glorified God, and he fell down on his face, at his feet, and he said, thank you. Jesus said it was a stranger. We're going to talk this morning on the subject, the nature of gratitude. The nature of gratitude. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for being with us this morning. You are the reason we are here, you're the reason we gather, you're the reason we breathe. Your goodness never fails. It's always present. God, we ask you that you speak to us this morning. God, you know that I'm just a simple vessel, and I'm asking you to do your work. God, speak through me in Jesus' name. Let the words that go forth be the word of God. God, we pray that as the word goes forth, it's like a hammer that bashes against the walls and strongholds that might limit your people, God, and set them free. We rebuke any spirit that might be in here to distract the people of God. We speak to the hearts of each and every one of us, and we ask that you make it fertile ground for the seed of your word, that when it be deposited, it would bring forth fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. But no matter what happens today... God, we pray that you receive our thanksgiving and that you receive all the glory because it's what you deserve. And so before anything else right now, we just say thank you. Have your way in this place, God. Let us glorify you for a moment. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Before you're seated, will you just put your hands together and give God some praise this morning? Excuse me, you may be seated. The nature of gratitude. It's no secret that this is Thanksgiving week. I think Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. Easter is something to celebrate. I don't really look at Easter as a holiday. I look at Easter as a memorial because it's when our Savior got up from the grave and beat death, hell, and and the devil right in his face. It's what we live for. It's why we live. But Thanksgiving's different because Thanksgiving's all about the family. It's about coming together for a feast. It's about sometimes people are like, I hate Thanksgiving because I I don't want to see these people. That's why I don't live near them. (laughs) But at its core, thanksgiving, gratitude's what matters. Gratitude, Cicero said, I think it's Cicero that said this, gratitude is the greatest of all virtues. As a matter of fact, it's from gratitude that all other virtues flow. Amen. So thanksgiving is more than the turkey. Thanksgiving is more than a celebration of something that happened in the colonies. That's not what it's about. Thanksgiving is a day we set aside to say thank you. Thank you to the ones we love, but most importantly, thank you to the one that deserves all our gratitude. The word gratitude has its origins in Latin, meaning gifts freely given. According to Dr. Angelus Arian, author of Living in Gratitude, A Journey That Will Change Your Life, the Latin root for the word gratitude is grata or gratia, a gift. Gratitude shares its common root with the word grace. Grace is a word which means a gift freely given that is unearned. So gratitude and grace come from the same root the argument in psychology or or psychiatry or whatever you want to call all of that they what you your mind whatever it is the argument is that gratitude is either coming from nature or it's coming from nurture I tend to believe that gratitude is a product of both I don't believe that somebody is born with an ungrateful heart. I believe they learned that. Likewise, I believe that over time in life, an ungrateful person is taught how to be ungrateful, whether by those that are raising them or by the experiences that life takes them through. But there is this argument between nature and nurture, and they both play a significant role in developing the Virtue of gratitude in one's life. Pastor Rick has said this multiple times. I'll rehearse it. This generation suffers from a chronic shortage of honor, respect, and gratitude. Those three things, in my opinion, are key character traits for the people of God. And it's a sad thing to know that in this generation, our culture has a shortage of these Character traits, honor, respect, and gratitude. All three of those things at the outset would seem to be something that is given to somebody else or it's for somebody else's benefit. If I honor somebody, I'm lifting them up. If I'm respecting them, I'm lowering myself to, to submit to whatever office they hold. If I'm offering gratitude, it could tend to uh, uh, argue that I am indebted to them for some reason because I'm having to say thank you, which means they did something for me. The point is that all of those things are selfless. They are selfless. The irony is all three of those things do more to develop you as a person and bring more blessing into your life than not having them. As a matter of fact, cutting those ingredients out of your life stops the, bl- stops the flow of blessing that comes into your life. God is always looking for those that honor him. Honor them in their lives. Honor them in their speech. Honor them in their family. Honor them in their in finances. God is always looking for somebody who respects them. You've read verse after verse that says fear the Lord. It literally means respect the Lord. Honor his position. He is God and he is God all by himself. Try Stop trying to stand in his position and do his work. Stop trying to tell people what he is alone has the authority to tell them. Stop being God. God in his place. He is God all by himself. And gratitude. A thanksgiving that says, I did not deserve this. I did nothing to merit this. No matter if I did or did not, you gave it. And I must say thank you. This generation is suffering a chronic shortage of honor, respect, and gratitude. And I dare say that if we could get this, uh, these virtues inoculated into our young people of this generation, that all the change that we're, we're moaning and groaning about in this country would come to a halt, and we'd see some strong, strong reformation happen in our nation. Here are five excellent reasons to develop an attitude of gratitude that have the support of science, as well as just being good things to say. <laughs> Number one, gratitude makes you happier. Science says that the more gratitude you express, the more positive uh, the 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 um, the. the Chemical or whatever that gets active in your body that makes you, that makes you have positive feelings, it, it starts to flood your body. And then you start having more positive thoughts. Gratitude makes you happier. Gratitude improves relationships. We've heard Pastor Rick say that gratitude confirms relationship. You can't say thank you with a head nod. You have to express yourself. The reciprocation some relationships need is not necessarily you doing for them what they did for you. Sometimes the reciprocation that relationship needs is simply a thank you. Number three, gratitude makes you a better person at any age. I don't care if that's science proven or not. That's the truth. Number four, gratitude makes you healthier. Gratitude makes you healthier. Finally, gratitude can give you a career boost. (laughs) I don't know who wrote that one, but that's the truth. Some of you need to say thank you to your boss instead of complaining about him. Sometimes we complain about all the work we're having to do, and really we just need to say thank you for the work. The nature of gratitude. Let's talk about the situation of our text. And he entered into a certain village, and there met him ten lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus was traveling from one destination to another. This was a pass through. This was a flyby. This was part of the journey. This wasn't one of the stops. This wasn't one of the stops. And there were 10 men there. And these men were all men with a disease. We'll learn later in the story that one of the men was a Samaritan, which implies that the others were Jews. They were in Israel. Samaritans and Jews didn't commingle. But because they all had the same disease, they were no longer Samaritan Gentile or Jew they were tagged with the condition that they had they were no longer what they were born as now they were labeled a leper how often have you seen somebody labeled for something they've done or something they've carried all through the Bible we see it even those that end up doing the works of God they still carry uh, the, the label that they've been given. A good example would be Rahab the prostitute. At no point is she not uh, referred to as Rahab the prostitute. What a vile label to be putting on any woman no matter what their past was. But that's what she's remembered as, Rahab the prostitute, not Rahab the one that covered the spies when they came into the promised land and got an opportunity to see the promises that God had for them and were able to get them out of there safely and eventually became a mother in the lineage of Jesus. God forbid Jesus come from the line of a prostitute, but somehow she ended up in that that lineage. No, she's not remembered as that. She's remembered as Rahab the prostitute you know why that's powerful and I don't care what they label me as because my testimony carries power revelation tells me that I overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony go hand in hand why because I need the blood of the lamb to cover my testimony or there is no testimony so call me Josh the sinner call me Josh the cusser call me Josh the drug addict call me Josh the crazy young man that didn't know how to get his stuff Stuff together calling me josh the preacher that still got problems up in his life i don't care what you call me because the blood of the lamb has covered it and it helps me beat the devil that slew hoof that needs to be under my feet anyway and i like to remind him that no matter how many times he made me mess up he's still up under my feet they were all lepers. They were all lepers. Our country and this world would do good to learn from these lepers. Yes, they all got in the same group because they were lepers and it was a condition. Well, we all in this world carry the same condition. It's called the human condition. It's enough is enough with all the divisions over race and politics and all the other mess we want to divide ourselves from. The people of God should be the last group of people that divide themselves over these things. We are the children of God. We are part of his kingdom, and that should be where our loyalty lies. And we should be inviting those in that are not in. And get them a part of us Not pushing them away They were all lepers It was their need Not their nationality that brought them together It was their need Not their nationality See they had leprosy I'm not going to spend a lot of time Talking about leprosy uh, Because that's for another day But I will say this Leprosy starts with the nerves. It's a condition that starts with the nerves. What I just told you is it starts with sensitivity. Let me pause there. If you talk to any theologian about leprosy, he will tell you that it's a symbolic expression of sin. It's a, it's a symbolic uh, disease. Yes, it's a natural disease, but metaphorically, it's God's, uh, uh, it's God's object lesson of what sin does to our spirit. And so leprosy is on these men, and it starts in the nerves. And isn't that the truth? Sin will first touch your sensitivity. Then it moves to the muscles, which is the strength of who we are. Then it moves to our limbs, and we start producing less. Then it moves to our sight and takes away our vision. Then it hits the mind and the sensibility of a person. As a matter of fact, most people, when it hits the mind, they go into a coma, They're alive, but they're not doing anything. They're not even cognitively aware. I've been around some folks that are so intoxicated with sin that it seemed like they weren't even cognitively aware. And then finally, it touches their voice box or their speech or their ability to talk. And I think it's interesting to note that they hadn't gotten to the end yet. We knew they had this condition called leprosy, and it was plaguing each of them. And we know that lepers are always cast out. They always have to wear a certain garb. They always have to ring a bell as they're walking around because everybody has to know that they are lepers because their condition is contagious. Their condition is contagious. And so they have to be known who they are so that what they have doesn't get on the rest of the people. And so we know this, that they hadn't reached the end of the process of the leprosy in their bodies. Many of them might have been in different stages, but they all had it, and they were all headed the same way. How do we know they had not reached the end? Well, first of all, the obvious one, they're alive. But the second one, and this is the one that kind of matters, they still had a voice. They still had a voice because the Bible says that they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Do you know that Jesus can't walk by a cry for mercy? Don't matter who you are, what your situation is, Jesus cannot walk by a cry for mercy. So if you're going through a tough time right now, you feel like you're walking toward the end, you feel like you're sick in your body, you feel like your finances aren't right, you feel like you've broken the the best relationship you've ever had, you feel like you've walked out on your purpose, I don't know where you're at, if you'll just cry for mercy, Lord, have mercy on me, Jesus cannot walk by that cry. And I promise you he's in this building this morning... And if you'll just cry out to him, he can't help but stop. He can't help but stop. They cried for help. They all met Jesus, every single one of them. They all stood afar off. They all lifted their voices. They all cried the same thing mercy. They all went toward the priest. They all did it. Now I want to pause right there. We talked about the situation. And in this pause I want to talk about the Savior for a minute. Because they all got to have the same experience with Jesus. I said this a few minutes ago. Jesus was passing by. Jesus was not, his intention wasn't to stop in this town. He was traveling from one point to another point. This was not his destination. All of God's appointments are not on your calendar. All of God's appointments are not on your calendar. Don't dismiss the in-between times of your life. The Bible says that he was in between Galilee and Samaria. He was in between You know, it's in the in-between times that we sometimes have the greatest experiences with God. The question is, are you going to be like these lepers and have your eyes peeled because you've heard about this Jesus in your region and you're not going to miss the opportunity? I may not be able to get in that town where he is, but there is the chance that he might pass by. That's why I have so much compassion on those that don't frequent the church houses of America because it's in God's house that we know that Jesus is passing by and if Jesus is passing by all it takes is a cry of mercy to have an experience with him there are so many hurting there are so many struggling there are so many that need just a pass by of his garment a pass by of his presence a passing by of Jesus he's still our savior he's still our deliverer he's still the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world He's still the one that does all the work. It's not by my stripes that I am healed. It's by his stripes that I am healed. It's not by my sacrifice that I am saved. It's by his sacrifice that I am saved. He is my Savior. He is my Savior. And it's in this passing in between region that these lepers have an experience with the Savior. Never... Never underestimate the power of Jesus in your life. Let me, let me explain what I'm saying. Those of you in this room, the majority of you, you carry him in your heart. You carry the spirit of God in your life. One scripture says that we are the written epistles, the walking epistles or letters of Christ. It's on the tablets of our heart that the testimony of our lives has been written. Yes, in the Lamb's book of life, our whole story is there, but nobody can tell your story quite like you can tell your story. And each and every one of us at some point along the way had an appointment that wasn't on the calendar. And we had an experience with Jesus. And if you just take a moment to look back over your life, you can't help but see those moments when he saved you and delivered you and he healed you and he brought you out and he brought you through. And it's your responsibility to speak those things, to represent those things. Because how do you not know that you might be the Jesus passing by at work that touches that co-worker that needed that experience? How do you not know it's not at the grocery store that you're walking in the fullness of God and they just see you and you have the opportunity to pray for healing right in that moment. You don't know that you aren't the vessel that God chose to use in a moment. Don't take the in-between times for granted. The nature of gratitude. I haven't forgotten our subject. Luke four seventeen fourteen, and when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself... To the priests. And it came to pass that as they went they were cleansed. The question was not can he heal you. But the question was can you obey what he said. The question was not can he heal you. It was can you obey what he told you. Too many of us are walking in the same condition and we're wondering why because we did hear the word of healing spoken over our life it was given to us by God and the question Jesus is asking you is do you want to be made whole because if you want to be made whole then you will obey what he told you to do He never said be healed They asked for mercy They didn't ask for healing. They asked for mercy. He never told them to be healed. He said, go show. Go show. And they went. They were obedient. And in their obedience, they were cleansed. I want to take a minute to point out the abundant mercies of Christ. You can't tell me that Jesus didn't know how this was going to play out. If he is God in the flesh, and he's as brilliant as he was, then you can't tell me that he didn't know how this scenario would play out. But he still had mercy enough to heal all ten of them. It might have been just one that returned, but he healed all ten of them. Because as they went, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. I'll take a pause here and say many pray, but not many praise. Many pray, but not many praise. Prayer is for time, praise is eternal. What do I mean? They had the sense that when they saw Jesus, to lift up their voices and pray. All of them prayed, but not all of them praised. Only one came back with praise, which tells me that there's a ratio of nine to one that actually give God some praise. And I think it's about time that the people of God start opening up their mouth and giving God the praise that he deserves. Because it's his praise that opens up heaven. It's his praise that he inhabits. It's his praise that brings down the walls of Jericho. It's his praise that goes first. It's his praise that does the work. You you, You highly underestimate the praise that's up in your mouth. Jesus said, if you don't praise me, I'll cause these rocks to cry out because I'm gonna get the praise that I deserve. When you're praying, it's for you. When you're praising, it's for him. So if you pray more than you praise, you might need to get your priorities straight because he deserves more praise. Josh, how dare you preach against prayer? I ain't preaching against prayer. Prayer is an essential part of our Christian walk. If you're not praying, you don't know God. You need prayer to walk in faith. You need prayer to build faith. You need prayer to have a relationship with the Lord. But the more you pray, the more you're going to want to praise. Because the more you get to know him, the more you know his goodness. And when I look back over my life and I see all the good he's done in my life, I can't help but give him praise. And one of them, and one of them, and one of them. One of them. That just stands out to me a lot. One of them. When he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. there's somewhere I want to go and I don't want to stay too long on certain points but I'll just say it like this you can't praise God quietly some people say it don't need to be like that I don't know about I got to let it out I got to let it out it may be this quiet right here that I'm talking right now but I can't help but talk about how good God has been in my life I've done everything there is to do to mess it up and he's done everything he can do to keep me up I've done everything I can do to get myself down in a pit. And he's done everything he can do to keep me up out of that pit. I can't help but give God praise. You, you need to just take a minute. Just take one little minute and look back over your life where God brought you from. You, you just take one little second and look back to yesterday. You just take one little second and look back to last year. You just take one little second and look back over your family and see what God did. And you tell me you can't give Him praise. You tell me you can't give Him praise. For the 15, 16 of us that really got a praise in our mouth, I dare you to just shout as loud as you can and give God a praise up in this place. loud we want to be loud when we need something from them we want to be loud when we're crying for mercy but the difference between this one and the other nine is they were all loud together because they had the same need this one was loud because he had to say thank you he was loud when he was dirty and he was loud when he was clean The problem with us is we get all cleaned up and we get all nice and God gets us all fixed and we forget to let go of the praise that got us here to begin with. See, he had boldness. See, when Jesus started walking by, they were afar off. But when he came back, he went to his feet. They knew their condition and so they felt unworthy to approach but once he cleaned them, he was willing to go to his feet. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoicing always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all situations. Not thanks for all situations, but thanks in all. Sometimes, do we give thanks sometimes? Do we give thanks every now and then? Give thanks in all situations for all things. Work together for the good of those that love God and are thee called according to his purpose. So if it ain't done, it ain't good yet. But it's headed that way, so I can give thanks in all circumstances. The stranger, the stranger, the stranger. Sit down, sit down. I only have ten minutes. They say, they say when you don't study good, you preach longer. It's true. But if you study good, you preach shorter because you're able to consolidate, right, and make it more powerful. Well, Lord knows I didn't have a lot of time to study. So I'm trying not to preach long. <laughs> Luke 17, 17, let's talk about this stranger. And Jesus answered and said, were well, there not ten, but where there nine? There are not found any that I, that I did this to give glory to God. In other words, the other nine aren't giving me glory except this stranger. There were ten cleansed. So the expectation is, where are the nine? Even Christ was shocked by the lack of honor. He was shocked. There are not found. I was looking for a full return, but I only got a tithe. And don't you know that's why God created the tithe? Because he knew we'd be short in our reciprocation to him. So he said, if I can just get you to give me 10%, I'll make it 100%. That's how good God is. He gives us the opportunity to return 10 and make it 100. Isn't that amazing? That's not part of this message. So he's looking for a full return, but only a stranger. That's what he called him, save this Stranger. Literally means sprung from another tribe or a foreigner or an alien. This ain't one of us. This is the only time that this particular word is used in the New Testament. It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament. It also means the least. So the one you least expected to come back is the one that brought the most. The least. The nine knew better because they were Jews. They were Jews. He said, This stranger. And so they knew better, but they didn't do it. It was the stranger that made the move. Because familiarity is fertile soil for entitlement. He was a stranger. He didn't know no better. He just knew somebody did something for him. He just knew a miracle happened in his life. And he knew the instruction, go show yourself to the priest. But maybe this is the priest I should be showing myself to to begin with. He is the priest, right? He's the one that spoke it. He's the one that cleansed me. He's the one that healed me. And so there had to have been some kind of discussion between the stranger and the other nine because he went back. And it said when he turned back, he shouted with a loud voice to glorify God. So there had to be a scene. They had to have seen him going back. And none of them had the unction in them to go with him. He went by himself. Familiarity is the breeding ground or fertile soil for entitlement. We must be careful as Christians not to become so familiar with the Holy Spirit and so familiar with our Savior Jesus Christ and so familiar with the generous hand of God that we expect Him to do the miracles in our life. (laughs) Expectation is a good thing, but when you feel entitled to the miracle, you're on another level, honey, because I don't deserve anything that God has given me. And when you get close to entitlement, that's when you forget to be grateful. Because you feel like you've earned it and you feel like you deserve it. And that is no space for any of us to be in. Because our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. There is nothing you can do. There is no prayer you can pray. There is no merit that you have that can activate the power of God in your life. There's nothing in it. Only Jesus can do it for you. It's His power. Yes, our faith does it. But your faith ain't doing the work. It's God that's doing the work. Envy, materialism, narcissism, cynicism. Psychology says these are the thieves of thankfulness. These are the thieves of thankfulness. Envy, materialism, narcissism, cynicism. I won't harp on it because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But get these out of your life. They steal thankfulness from you. They steal your blessings. Stop looking at yourself and start looking at him. They were familiar with it. They overlooked who did it, and they started looking at what was next. The beautiful thing about this stranger is it was in his nature to return. It was his natural response. The nature of a thing literally means the fundamental fundamental qualities of a thing or a person. The fundamental qualities of a thing or a person. When I think about the nature of somebody in Scripture, I can't help but think about David. He was a man after God's own heart. God's the one that called him that. A man after my own heart. It was in his nature. Didn't matter how bad he got. Didn't matter how many mistakes he made. It was in his nature to turn to God. It was a natural response. Psalm 116 and verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me. What can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? The heart of the giver says, doesn't say, why do I have to give? The heart of a giver says, what can I give? The sudden compulsion in the heart of the writer is to give something back to God for his goodness. That's why I can't stand the argument that people have, well, the tithe is Old Testament, not New Testament. I hate that argument. What business what, what difference does it make if it's Old Testament or New Testament? God's covenants are his covenants. If you enter into his covenants, you get the blessing of the covenant. If you don't enter the bless the, the covenant, you don't get the blessing of the covenant. Why wouldn't you take an opportunity to honor Lord the Lord with your increase? Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all of your increase. Therefore, your vats will be overflowing and your barns will be filled with plenty. This is an, this should be, there should be no argument in it. It's not about arguing whether it's Old Testament, New Testament. That's under the law. This is not. Who cares about that? The bottom line is it's an opportunity for you to honor the Lord. Why wouldn't we take that opportunity? We shouldn't be arguing why shouldn't we give. We should be arguing what can we give. Not going to get a lot of amens on that one. You cannot earn his goodness, but you can be thankful for it. Gratitude should be a natural response when something is given to you. That goes for more than God. I can't stand opening the door for somebody and they walk through and they don't say thank you. I have to remember that I'm supposed to show forth the kindness of the Lord. And so I bite my tongue most of the time. But I have been known every now and then to say, you're welcome. (laughs) Gratitude should be the natural response when something is given. Gratitude confirms relationship. Gratitude says you don't have to give, but you did. You didn't have to give, but you did. All right, let's close up. With this sacrifice. And one of them returned. So we talked about the situation. We talked about the Savior. We talked about the stranger. Now let's talk about the sacrifice. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down at his feet, giving him thanks. The sacrifice of this man was in the return. He gave all he had, which was just himself. He gave a thank you. All he had to give was a thank you, and he refused to pass the opportunity to give it. He went back to Jesus, fell at his feet, and thanked him. Jesus instructed them to show themselves to the priest. You guys remember in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, present your bodies, living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, present your bodies. This word show, that word present, these are the same words used in the Old Testament When someone would bring their sacrifice and present them to the priest. Because the priest was responsible to handle the sacrifice. Right? The reason we would bring a sacrifice is because there was either an atonement or a thank offering, peace offering. There's a lot of reasons why they brought sacrifices. But regardless, there was always an offering and an offerer. There was the offering and then the person giving the offering. The sacrifice was not only just a sacrifice, it was a substitute. Jesus is our substitute. Because of him, we don't have to. Right? The lambs that they would bring, the turtle doves that they would bring as a sacrifice were for atonement. It was a substitute. So the offering, there's an offering and an offerer. The offering is supposed to represent the offerer. So what is presented is supposed to be a substitute for me. So when this man comes and gives, he gives the best he can. He wants to make sure that what he's giving back is the, is the perfect representation of who he is. Because this is an offering I'm giving to you. It may only be a thanks, but that's all I got. I need the purity of what I'm laying down at the altar of your feet to represent who I am. Thanksgiving, to be truly Thanksgiving, is first thanks. Then it's giving. Thanks. Giving the result, arise, go, your faith has made you whole. See, all of the other guys, all of them were cleansed, but this guy found wholeness. Amen. Jesus blessed him with something more than they got stand up. No, 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 that's what Jesus said. <laughs> Hilarious, that's awesome. <laughs> What happened? Jesus told him, stand up. Let me get you back in right position. Go your way. Walk this thing out. Your faith has made you whole. Jesus gave him a gift right there. Wholeness is what we should all be striving for. You're effective in purpose when you are whole. You're effective in relationship when you are whole. You're effective in your life when you are whole. You live a life of gratitude when you are whole. When you are fragmented and broken, you're always looking to blame somebody for why you are the way you are. That blame is what's blocking the gratitude from your life. That blame is what's doing that. The beautiful thing about this man is that he brought a sacrifice to the Lord. Did he really? Yes. Yes, he did. Because these nine guys, the re- here's why they didn't turn back. They were in a hurry to get on to what was next. They knew if they presented themselves to the priest, they'd receive a certificate that told them they could enter back into their society. Some of them hadn't seen their families. Some of them haven't worked. they had been in poverty. They've been outcasts for years probably because they were leprous and they were sent on the outside. They got their healing. Now they wanted what was theirs. The difference between them and him was he sacrificed that. He sacrificed that to say thank you. And by saying thank you, he got more than what they got. He got a blessing from the Lord. Your sacrifice of thanksgiving opens God's blessings in your life. We do not do it for the blessing. We do it because we're grateful. We do it because we're grateful. The nature of gratitude is that it should be a natural response of your life okay. to honor the Lord with thanksgiving. The nature of the giver is this. For God so loved the world that he gave. You don't need a healing. You don't need a deliverance. You don't need a financial blessing. You don't need nothing more than For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's all you need to be giving him a hilarious Thanksgiving. That's all you need to give him the praise he deserves. That's all you need. But he was better to you than he needed to be because he did a whole heck of a lot more for you than he should have done. I know he's done that for me because it don't take me long to figure out that God's been good to me. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I will offer you, David, Psalm 116, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 50, verse 14, sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the name of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Psalm 50, verse 23. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. Man, that's powerful. Jonah 2, in verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto you, into your holy temple, that they observe lying vanities and forsake their own mercy. But I, this is Jonah praying in the belly of a whale. He had messed up. He had turned his back on God. And he's in the belly of the whale. And listen to his prayer. But I will sacrifice unto you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have owed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake to the fish and vomited Jonah up out of dry, onto dry land. I don't know about you, but I've been in the belly of some whales. And I'm grateful that in my thanksgiving I found my deliverance. Hebrews 13. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate. Forget not, for with such sacrifice God is well pleased. God is well pleased. God is well pleased. I want to speak to you, a few groups of you this morning. The first is there's some lepers in this room. There's some people that you're in a mess. You're in a mess. And your mess has got you kicked out on the outside. It's got you outcast it's got you feeling less than you've even teamed up with a bunch of people you don't, you're not familiar with and the only thing that keeps you guys together is the fact that you all have the same condition and I want to promise you today if you'll cry out for mercy Jesus can touch you Jesus can heal you Jesus can do something for you but I also want to speak to that one I don't know about you but I've been that one I've been that one I've been that one that on the way I realized God cleaned me up. I realized God saved me. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just a few weeks ago I was reminded how good God has been in my life. You know, as a testimony, I didn't want to move to Oklahoma. It's just the truth. It is what it is. I didn't know nothing about Oklahoma. I'd only been up here a few times. Ministry reasons. I lived in San Antonio. San Antonio is a great city. I lived there majority of my life. My family's there. My wife's family's there. My church family was there, is there. I loved it there. Everything was convenient. They have H E B. It's the best grocery store that ever was. <laughs> you think that's funny, but it's the truth. But a couple weeks ago, I went to San Antonio for something. When I drove into the city, I felt homesick because I was remembering things. And I was there for two days. And by the second day, I was homesick again because I wanted back here. I wanted to get home. And it felt so good to think about the goodness of God in bringing me to Oklahoma. I didn't want to come, but he was good. And he knew what was best for me. And instead of complaining, I started to say, thank you. Thank you. When you look over your life, there's a testimony there. God did something for you in a time you didn't want it like that. You didn't want to be where you were. You didn't want to be in the place that you were. You didn't expect Jesus to pass by that way. It wasn't on your calendar, but he made the appointment anyway. And it's time to say thank you. And lastly, we're going to take this Thanksgiving offering. There's no secret. We told you that before. We told you that two weeks ago, actually. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how we're going to do it. I want everybody to grab an envelope. You can give online as well. But as you're given this offering, it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. What is that sacrifice? That sacrifice is thanksgiving. It's not about the church needing money. We don't. It's not about you need to give the offering. We don't need to receive it. God doesn't need it, but you need to tell him thank you. You need to tell him thank you. For some of you, you can only express the voice of thanksgiving. You may not have anything to give, and it may just be your voice, but we're going to give you the opportunity for that in a minute. And maybe that's what you give. But for others of you, you do have something that you could and should give. And you need to remember that there is an offering and an offerer, and your offering represents the offerer. Your sacrifice is your substitute. You know, my wife gets mad at me when I go shopping for her. She's hard to buy for. People say Pastor Rick is hard to shop for. I say that. Do you know why I say that about my wife and Pastor Rick? Because I know them. And they're valuable to me. And I respect them. And I don't want to just bring them a trinket. I just don't want to bring them just anything doesn't matter if it costs $700. If I bring them a gift they're not going to like, what's the point? So when I buy gifts for my wife, and I buy gifts for Pastor Rick and those I love, I think about it. Because I want to bring something that pleases them. I don't want to bring them a tip. I don't want to give them a little...